Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to normalize grief and loss through candid conversations and shared experiences. Hosted by me, Sally Douglas, and me, Imogen Khan. We unfortunately joined the club that nobody wants to be part of when we both lost our mums unexpectedly. This podcast aims to create a space to openly discuss what grief is like and provide comfort for those who might be going through a similar experience. We'll shed light on an often taboo subject with honesty, hope and a little bit of humour. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. In today's episode, my lovely co-host Imogen is going to be sharing her deeply personal story about what it's been like to lose her beautiful mum unexpectedly to suicide and the complex grief that comes with this kind of loss. After a career working in TV production, Imogen is now mum to the gorgeous Layla. She's also a big animal print lover, one of the funniest people I know, and just an absolutely brilliant human being. Thanks, Sal. That's lovely. We do love a bit of animal print, don't we? (laughs) We do. Please note, we do talk about suicide in today's episode, which some listeners may find triggering. So if you or someone you know is struggling, please know that you're not alone and help is out there. We've provided the link to Lifeline in our show notes. Hi, Im. Hey, Sal. How are you doing today? Oh, look, not going to lie, a bit nervous, but yeah, ready. I'm ready. Ready to share your story. Yeah, yeah. Should we just start off by maybe you can tell listeners a little bit about your mum? Yeah, I would love to do that. So my mum, her name was Vanessa. She was just such an amazing person. I don't mm. even really know where to start with that. She was a really unique character she was a really gentle soul just full of love and light and impacted the lives of anybody that came in contact with her she was just one of those really special special people I was lucky to have her as my mum from everything you've told me she sounds like an absolutely amazing person and I can see where you get your kind and caring side from and she sounds like she was just a wonderful person I think so yeah <laughs> she was And I know it's a really difficult thing for you to talk about. So thank you for sharing your story today. There's probably a lot of people that would really benefit from hearing how you've coped with this huge loss. And I know that you've got a lot of amazing insights that you can share about your journey and kind of what's helped and different processes as well. Yeah, well, I think the main reason why I want to share my story, as difficult as it is, um, I'm sitting here shaking, it's not an easy thing to talk about. But I think that with this type of loss, with suicide, there is still, unfortunately, such a stigma attached to it. Mm. And it's getting better, but it is something that needs to change. And I feel like if I can be part of that conversation to make the awareness around suicide a bit more talked about, then Mm. I'm feeling like I'm doing something positive with a really shit situation that's happened to me and my family. The statistics of suicide are so high. Mm. There's eight Australians a day die by suicide. So that's double the road toll death. That's huge. Yeah, and I think it's estimated 800,000 a year across the world. And I bet people aren't really aware of those statistics either. No. Like that's a a lot of people. That's a huge Um, amount of people. That's pretty much nearly the entire population of Fiji getting wiped out in one year. That's crazy. Yeah. And then it's something that we don't really discuss because it's 
too uncomfortable. I mean, it, it is a bit of a taboo subject and there really does need to be more of an open dialogue about suicide. How, how did you feel, before we jump into sort of what happened in your story, how did you feel talking to people about it? Has it been something that has been difficult to talk to people about? Have people been receptive? Um, I've been really lucky to have such an amazing support network of mm-hmm. people. So talking about it to close friends and family, it's... I've found it quite comforting to discuss. Yeah. But I do think to people who I don't know very well, it is such a shocking death that I think Mm. it makes people feel really uncomfortable. And then when you do, you know, someone says, oh, how did your mum die? Telling them that she took her own life. People get really uncomfortable and they don't know how to respond to that. And so I think they just shut down and then it gets awkward and then you feel shit and they feel shit. Yeah, so I just want to, like, try and help break that and make it a topic that people can discuss because I have noticed that when I have talked about it so many people who I didn't even know have come out and said oh someone in my family died by suicide as well Mm. and I had no idea because maybe they never felt comfortable saying it in case they were judged by it. I think it's a really brave thing that you're doing opening up conversation around the topic and like you say it is some people do feel uncomfortable talking about it or maybe they don't know how to approach it and that means that something's go left unsaid or you might not know that somebody else has been through the same thing so I think it's it's just awesome that you're starting this kind of conversation and sharing your story because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that will really benefit from listening to this. Thanks Sal and I also want to note as well yeah it's it's kind of uncomfortable if people ask you how your mum died and then you tell them they died by suicide and then you know you don't get the same reaction say if somebody if your loved one died from cancer mm-hmm. and I think as well what I only learned having gone through it is the language that's used around this type of loss I think is a really important thing to discuss as well because I know when it happened even I said myself my mum committed suicide and now the more research that I've done that is actually quite an offensive way to say someone had died. Well I guess because of the language around it right committed it sounds. Yeah it's implying that they've they've committed a crime Mm. which back in the day it actually used to be a criminal offence to take your own life. Which, which is probably where that language has come from, right? Yeah, which seems a bit ridiculous. Though. I mean, if you're it dead, what, you're going to go to jail, but you're already <laughs> dead. It just doesn't make any sense anymore. So I think being conscious of the language that you use around this type of loss, mm. rather than saying somebody committed suicide, just say they died by suicide or from suicide. I think that's a really good point. And I bet a lot of listeners won't be aware of that. So it's something that it's really good to be mindful of. And even language like took their own life, things like that, that just not necessarily softer, but don't have that implication of it being. Yeah, like committing an offence. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to to be aware of. Yeah. So, Im, do you want to tell us what happened? Yeah, so I guess another important part of this story is suicide. It doesn't discriminate and it's not just the repercussion of a mental illness, particularly with my mum, it was all circumstantial. So it was pretty much just a really horrific twist of fate that led to it. Not going to go into the details of the circumstances for legal reasons at this stage, but it might be something that I can delve into later down the track. But yeah, um, it was yeah purely circumstantial. My mum didn't suffer from a mental illness. It was a complete shock. And I know I speak for everyone that knows my mum. 
she is the last person that we could have ever imagined taking her life. So it's been a really, really huge shock and I think that that is something that also needs to be talked about because it's not just people that suffer from a mental illness that can end up suiciding. It can be anybody if their circumstances change, if they're going through a lot of stress in their life. So I guess it's getting to learn the signs. And did you see any signs in the lead up the days prior to that you maybe weren't aware of then but now that you know more about how it can affect people that you now see that there were signs yeah hindsight is a wonderful thing yeah definitely looking back and it really happened so fast with my mum it was a matter of two months where things just really spiraled really really quickly to do with her circumstances and at the time I could I could never in a million years have imagined that being a result of what was going on. I was worried about her. She had withdrawn and, you know, which isn't entirely unusual when people go through things in their life. I was concerned about her but I didn't know how serious it was and I think I've done a lot of research trying to understand suicide because the thing is you've got so many unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. You're just thinking how... How did it end up this way? How could somebody I love who loved me had made that choice? Like it just didn't make any sense for me. So I just went on a mission to try and learn as much as I could about what suicide is and how people end up making that decision. And I'd read a really interesting article which helped me get my head around what suicide is. And this author called Richard Heckler, so he did a study on a number of suicide attempt survivors and although all of their circumstances were different mm-hmm. in, in what led them to attempt to take their life, but the one thing that they all had in common was they talked about going into a suicidal trance. Basically, there's a few stages into it and it can happen over years. It can happen in a matter of months. In my mum's case, it was, I think, a couple of months that I knew of. So the different stages are so you get yourself into a predicament and you start to lose a bit of hope and feeling like you can't handle your situation and so you put on a facade and I think it's a very common thing that people do when they're depressed is they put on a brave face and mm-hmm. they're still you know reaching out and making contact with the outside world even though it's difficult but they've still got a glimmer of hope mm-hmm. that there's going to be better days and so what happens is they put on the facade but by putting on the facade it's not really letting anybody in to know what's going on so it just intensifies what they're feeling and then yeah, it kind of goes into a downward spiral of desperation and you get to the point where you don't have any hope left with your predicament and I think they call it a suicidal trance. So it can happen moments before someone chooses to make that decision. So I think in my mum's case, I really don't think it was premeditated. I think it was just a matter of moments where she just lost hope and the means were there and it was just a really awful twist of fate so I think understanding what happens to the mind helped me with my process of dealing with a lot of the guilt as well but knowing that a lot of factors have to come into play for somebody to to be in that situation and also when they're in that moment when they choose to make that decision they can't they actually like can't think of anything else at that time so I know for me I was I went through a lot of stages where I was like, how could my mum have done this? Was she not thinking about me? How could she not have thought that this would have fucked up my life? 
all of those things going around in my mind but knowing that in that moment she was in a trance she wasn't in her right mind it wasn't who she was helped with with some of those emotions so because that must be a really difficult thing to go through and I know I've had experiences of people in my life have, have dealt with have experienced suicide and loss and that guilt is a really big thing isn't it but also why and you know weren't they thinking of me weren't they thinking of their family and all the love they had around them but like you say like if they're not it, that doesn't even cross their mind yeah in those. they can't they've sort of lost the ability to be able to see it's like a narrowed perspective of their life mm. and they cannot see how their situation is going to change and they lose hope and so I think, you know, there's still a lot of preconceived notions about suicide being a selfish act or cowardly, but I just, if people understood what actually happens to your mind when you get to that place, I don't think people want to die. They just want the pain that they're in to stop and they don't see another way out. I think understanding that has, has helped, I know, has helped me. There must be so many questions that you have in those initial moments, those initial days. Your mind must be swarming with... Oh, the unanswered questions are just, yeah, endless. You're just sort of on a prolonged search for reasons why, like you just want to know why, what what happened, how did this mm-hmm. end up happening and because your loved one's gone, you can't ask them why, you'll never know and, and in in my case with my mum she didn't leave a note so there was just nothing you know one minute she's there and she had plans to to move in with me the next day and then the next minute she's gone and I just like she really felt like she was ripped away from me Mm -hmm. and not being able to ask her like what happened was definitely the hardest part for me and you you do you go on a search like you you need to know and I guess yeah it's kind of like a like a psychological autopsy in a way. Mm. Like you just need to gather all the information you can surrounding the circumstances, the day, what it looked like, what had happened. I just wanted all as much information as I could. I wanted to know what she was wearing, what time it happened. I wanted to know what she was thinking. So I think a a really common thing is to put yourself in in their shoes. And so Mm. I was going to that place in my head and, basically trying to feel what my mum was feeling or thinking and it's just a, really you go into a downward spiral with with those thoughts but it's such a common common thing to do when there's no answer I mean everyone deals with everything differently don't they but it sounds like you have done a lot of research and I know that you've really put a lot of time and effort in into trying to understand yeah I've got I've become a bit obsessed I guess with the with the topic but it's helping me process I mean I didn't like I've lost my mum you know and Mm -hmm. and having no one be able to tell me why I've lost my mum it's like well I've got to find out those answers for myself so another thing with suicide is what they're called suicide loss survivors so I guess I'm a suicide loss survivor but you go on a search to to find a reason what's happened so you gather all the information and then you kind of create a narrative so to speak and so you stick with that narrative and then I think in my case there was still new information coming out all the time like over the, at least the first few months and then I'd get to a point where I was stuck with the narrative I'm like right I can deal with this narrative I'm going to move on process this and then new information would come through and it's like I'd have to start the process all over again so it was just it was debilitating mm-hmm. especially for the first few months 
but I did find comfort in researching and having as much information as I could to understand it. And we'll include some links in the show notes to articles that you found helpful and books and resources other people who might be experiencing a similar situation might find helpful too. Yeah, it is such a lonely experience. I did feel when it happened, you're surrounded by people and support, but I know for me I was missing one of my biggest supports. So it's just this huge hole in my in my life now and I felt so alone and I, as well I think with suicide it's such a shocking death and and often a violent one it's hard to talk about and you feel like it's difficult to find people to relate to you so I felt like no one understood people were so supportive and so lovely but I felt like no one really understood how I was feeling and how fucked up I felt in my mind like I felt like I was going crazy Mm -hmm. the things that you you think about trying to make sense of it and the guilt that you're going through like I've spent I think the first three months after it happened. So it's been about six months now, so it's still so fresh. So but the first three months I felt like I was going insane and I blamed myself for what had happened, which, you know, I know that there's nothing that I could have done to have stopped what had happened, but you still blame yourself mm-hmm. when you love someone and they take their life. I think guilt is a major component which can become quite complex grief, which is you've got to watch. And when you say complex grief in? It's the emotions that that come with this type of loss. Mm. So there's the guilt is a huge one. There's just a lot of fear, terror, dread, Mm. panic, feeling like... Multi-layered. Yeah, like your whole reality is shattered, like nothing is making any sense and your idea about the world is just not what it was. Like it's just really complicated and complex. So trying to process all of those emotions is really difficult and so your grief can become Mm. like a complicated grief like it's it's traumatic so essentially you're traumatized from what's happened well that's it you're not just dealing with coping with a loss there's a huge amount of trauma with your situation and quite often with suicide so it's a few different components to what you're processing and going through to all of those feelings yeah and the huge shock of it as well Mm. like I know you lost your mum suddenly as well it's shocking yeah, like you just don't believe you it. Don't believe it. You're not prepared for it. Mm. We don't get a chance to sort of say goodbye or resolve any anything or prepare. There's no there's no time to prepare, prepare for it. So it's just completely turns your world upside down. And then so you're dealing with that, and then all the added extra complex emotions. So the guilt was the absolute worst for me. I spent every waking second of every day after it happened for at least three or four months blaming myself and I just if only I called my mum an hour earlier she'd still be alive if only I'd known the signs I could have stopped it what if I don't know what if I didn't move house and maybe it wouldn't have ended up this way so you just you're really hard on yourself and the self-blame starts to become a real issue and I know for me I started to spiral quite badly into the guilt my family and friends were so helpful in pulling me out of that and I know but I've got I've suffered with anxiety for about 15 years anyway so I've got an overactive mind at the best of times so it really ran with this one so they sort of said to me you you need to watch yourself you couldn't have done anything to change this outcome you loved your mum your mum loved you like you need to just be really easy on yourself so yeah I was really conscious of that so I went to the my GP's pretty much straight away and was like my mum's dead she's 
she's suicidal. I need some help. Yeah. You know, it was such a hard thing to say. Like even saying those words now, it just doesn't feel real. But I knew I needed to to speak to somebody and I started counselling straight away, which has been really helpful, just unpacking all of that extra shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like it's great that you acted on that straight away. You could see what was happening. Some people leave it months. Some people I've heard, I've, I've known people that have left it 12 months to a yeah, few which years. Which I think is the normal thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the normal thing to do. I, I definitely think I'm a bit strange when it comes to this old grieving thing. But you were, it was such an, a huge shock and a huge loss for you. No wonder that you needed some support straight away to even just try and help process what happened. Yeah, I think as well, I'm not good at, at suppressing how I'm feeling. And I know my sister and I are so different and we've dealt with this really different. And my sister, I think she has the ability to be able to sort of put it away for a moment or two to focus on something else. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And it was just eating me alive. And... I think, yeah, my mind was just so overactive. I was having to have the same conversations over and over with people like mm. my my close family and friends just to try and reassure me that, A, I wasn't going to die, B, I wasn't going crazy and C, it wasn't my fault that my mum took her life and I just needed to keep going over and over and over and that until I started to believe it. Um, so it was just – it was really, really awful <laughs> – And thank you to my friends and family who put up with those conversations over and over. Yeah, so I went to the GP and I got on top of it and started uh, getting some professional help before I, yeah, got sucked into that. And it's quite common, isn't it? The feelings of guilt. If you've experienced suicide loss, it can be a really common and prevalent feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really difficult one to navigate Mm. and a really dangerous one because if you don't get on top of that, I think as well with suicide loss, people do, the loved ones that who are immediately impacted by it, it is quite common for them to suffer from suicidal ideation themselves. So it's not necessarily that you will take your life, but because you're in excruciating pain and you, uh, yeah, your whole world is turned upside down, you do have suicidal thoughts. And I would, have ne- I would never act on it, mm-hmm. but you do get to that place where you're like, I actually can't live with this. This is too much. But I think it's important to know that that is also a normal symptom Mm. of this type of loss. And I guess, yeah, knowing that that's a normal one and knowing that there is help out there and you will get through it. I mean, I could absolutely see no way out of how I was feeling in those early months. It's just next level. But here I am six months on and I'm talking about it and I haven't cried yet. <laughs> so you absolutely can get through it. And that's that was the main thing for me is I just needed to know I was going to survive. I needed to know I was going to be okay one day because the level of pain I was feeling, I could not, I just didn't want to live with that. Mm-hmm. So I also found, I joined a forum for suicide loss survivors and I found that so helpful. Just for those times where late at night and I can't sleep and I've got my anxious thoughts ruminating and the guilt ruminating and you know because my mind was on loop all the time and I'd go over one part of it of the day what that looked like what happened in the day and then I'd finish that narrative and then go on to the things I could have done to have stopped it so I'd go on to the forum when I could feel myself slipping into that again and I found it so 
helpful reading other people's experiences. So there is a forum which we will put in the show notes, which I did find super helpful and it just they have different categories so there was a category specifically for bereaved children so their parents had had suicided and just hearing other people saying exactly how I was feeling I felt validated and I felt understood and I felt like I wasn't going crazy and I wasn't going to die and also these people were so supportive and filled you with hope Mm -hmm. as well and I thought okay well if they've gotten through it I can get through it. There is light at the end of the tunnel. I read such a beautiful thing on the forum one night in my many hours of trawling <laughs> through posts and it was that in the early stages of suicide loss, you're not living for yourself anymore. You're living for your loved ones. It's just too hard to live for yourself and then eventually over time the light will start to, to come back in through the cracks and then before you know it you do start living for yourself again. And I just thought, you know, that's really beautiful and I really didn't feel like I was living for myself. I didn't want to live for myself. I just felt like this is just too painful Mm. to have to deal with. But I have loved ones as well. I've got a daughter. I needed to keep moving forward. So just acknowledging that that's how I feel right now and then one day my, my joy and my hope will come back and I will be able to find some happiness again, that gave me hope. So even just reading that that little passage gave me a lot of hope. So I think just knowing as well there's other people that have gone through a similar experience and just being able to read their stories and find comfort in yeah. that and just know that you're not alone and it, other people are feeling the way that you're feeling and are experiencing similar things and a similar yeah. kind of loss. And I guess that's the reason that we decided to start this podcast as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. To provide a resource for people who may be dealing with loss and going through grief and yeah. it's something that is a bit of a taboo topic and it's not yeah. openly discussed. It's not something that a lot of people feel comfortable talking about and I think it's just amazing that you're sharing your story, Em. And Thanks, Sal. You're so brave. Well, I know when when I was in the thick of it, I found podcasts so helpful just when I didn't want to sit with my own thoughts. I'd listen to podcasts about grief but then I would trawl through and try to find specific episodes where people discuss suicide and there are some out there there's not a lot but there are some and I found it so helpful just to know I was not the only one going through this it happens it happens a lot and just yeah if I can be part of that change of getting those conversations happening and knowing I can help someone who was feeling as shit as I was in the early stages if they're going through a similar experience to know that yeah they're not alone absolutely and just backtracking a bit in do you want to talk a little bit about sort of what happened that day that you found out and kind of what the first week looked like for you yeah and sort of your yeah the the initial kind of moments and how you how you coped through discovering and finding out that news yeah so I was in the middle of moving house which Gosh, is which is stressful <laughs> enough yeah it's <laughs> like really <laughs> I fucking hate moving house yes yeah, so I was moving house I was upsizing so that my mom could come and live with my partner and I and my daughter I have a one-year-old daughter as well which is very cute <laughs> <laughs> she's very chubby <laughs> hope she doesn't listen to this one day you're very sweet <laughs> And yeah, so my mum was due to move in the following day. So we had removalists coming in and out. My daughter had hand, foot and mouth disease. It was all happening. And I tried to call my mum in the morning. 
I wanted to ask her which, which room she wanted. So there was a choice of two rooms, a smaller one with sunlight. I know she liked the sun or the larger room that was a bit darker. So I was calling her in the morning and her phone was off. I think it was about 8.30 in the morning. And I just thought, oh, I'll leave her a bit. Maybe she's sleeping in. Yeah, I kept trying her. Yeah, well, I couldn't get a hold of her. So I started to worry. So I called my sister and she lives closer to my mum. So I just said, do you mind popping over there and just checking that she's okay? And my sister went there and my mum's car wasn't there, which was unusual because it was the morning and she wasn't really a morning person. And yeah, so my my poor sister found out in a really traumatic way. I was worried. I was worried about her. I wasn't worried that she was going to take her life. That never crossed my mind once. So it was a huge shock. But I don't know, I just had this weird gut feeling that she wasn't right, like Mm. she wasn't okay. So yeah, my sister ended up, calling my partner and then yeah we found out the news so I had quite a few people over at my house and the removalists coming in and out when we got the news and it was just so shocking oh Emma can't even imagine yeah we were just I don't know dropping to the floor screaming I just couldn't yeah couldn't believe it the poor removalists (laughs) I'm like what's going on should we leave I'm like my mum's dead (laughs) It was really awful. And the neighbours, I can't imagine what the neighbours are thinking about. Like, this is our first day in this new house. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a really, really, really awful day. So then, yeah, that night I just just wanted to gather as much information as I could to try and make sense of it because Mm -hmm. it was just like... Your head must have been spinning. Yeah. Imagine that you were just... But, like, suicide... I mean, it goes against the basic basic human instinct, which is survival. Yeah. So it's like, how can someone get to that point? How can my mum get to that point? Like, we had plans. She didn't tell me how bad it was, you know. It's just, it didn't make any sense. So I just scrabbled around, trying to make sense of something so senseless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really busy doing that. While my stepdad and my sister were doing all the practical things, like, calling all the family and friends to let them know so yeah I just went straight into like investigator mode and I couldn't sleep I couldn't eat I lost so much weight but yeah it was I looked I looked in the mirror I just literally couldn't even recognize myself anymore like my whole face changed like it just it's kind of like a grief face isn't it yeah I, I was sort of did you saying, get that as well yeah like I had I definitely had days where I was like my face is very griefy today you yeah. know it's like just it's a flatness I think I don't know and, just, and it's just like some, my eyes were all sunken in it's like I did not recognize myself anymore do you know those different um in different cultures I know in Shiva they cover the mirrors when you're mourning I think it's the seven day rituals they cover all the mirrors in the house so you can't look at yourself when you're mourning. Yeah, that's a smart thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're running on adrenaline but you also must have been exhausted at the same time. Yeah, it's- the adrenaline's real. Like, just could feel it rushing through my body. Yeah, I just was just on. So in the lead up to the day that it happened, when you look back on it now, do you see sort of signs you think, oh, maybe that was her not reaching out but like you can say oh did she did she say that she was feeling low yeah, or yeah this is one of the things that gets me into that old guilt spiral um no 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 it's all right I'm good I'm on top of that now <laughs> I'm on top of that but yeah so I spoke to my mum the day before and we she sent me a text saying 
thanks for letting me come and live with you. I'm really appreciative of that. And then I gave her a call and she sounded really flat, but I just put it down to, you know, the circumstances. She's just not having a good day. And she told me, I said, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And she said, I, f- I feel incredibly sad. And I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Mm. I stupidly sent her pictures of her granddaughter thinking that that was going to fix it, you know? And I, but like, you want to know. You want to know. You're not to know. And hindsight is uh, is everything. It's 2020. I there's your sign. You know mm-hmm. what? And then I, I just would go into why didn't I do more? Why did I think that that was enough? And I I was in the middle of moving house, and I did have a daughter with hand, foot, and mouth disease at the time. And you know I was constantly checking in with her. But yeah, there were there were signs, but I didn't know at the time. And I think if people can educate themselves on the signs that's that's a really good thing to do because i had no idea i had no idea i'd never i'd never had any experience with depression or suicidal ideation i, I had no idea are there any signs from your you know research that you've done since it happened that are kind of common reoccurring signs that people should watch out for or be aware of i think the withdrawing is a major one so when you notice your loved one not participating in their normal activities that make them happy if they start to withdraw which my mum did do that's a huge sign and so just have that conversation and you know what it's okay to ask them are you feeling like you want to hurt yourself or you don't want to live anymore have you had those thoughts it's such a really difficult conversation to have but it can save lives Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a major one. So just if anyone's withdrawing, if they've gone quiet when they're otherwise quite a happy person. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the major sign. How did your body react in those, you know, first few weeks? Did you find it, like, were you you able to sleep? Did you have any physical symptoms? Oh, I couldn't sleep. Just racing thoughts. I was really restless but I was also like a zombie at the same time. It was weird. I just, I couldn't process any information. I couldn't make decisions. Yeah, all basic decision making went out the window. Did you feel uh, quite foggy? Uh, yeah, the tra- I think the trauma can really mess with your head. And it's kind of like fucked up my memory as well. Like I, yeah, my memory's gone weird. I get a foggy mind, which are really hard things to do with because I was quite an on the ball type person to begin with and mm-hmm. I don't feel like myself anymore which is which is difficult I know I'll come back <laughs> at some point but yeah the physical symptoms are, of trauma are pretty horrific and yeah it's just it's weird did you feel like with you also there's just that moment when it happens because it is so, so s- sudden and unexpected there's just that life before and then life after so it's just it's, two very different realities yeah I really I really do yeah I think when you've experienced a sudden loss you realize the fragility of life but also you you kind of life has a bit of a layer of pain and I know we've spoken about you see people walking around and they're kind of enjoying themselves yeah just having a bloody great time yeah like just walking (laughs) to the shop and doing something it's like have you got nothing in your mind like I think before you experience a sudden loss you are sort of blissfully maybe unaware or you're not aware of a a type of pain that comes with us with a loss 
and navigating life without that person. I know that we have both had different people say to us at different points throughout our journey that it never gets any easier and we have both felt that that's not the greatest thing to say because we do want it to get easier and we yeah, do want that's to find been a really tough one for me to hear to find happiness again yeah. and especially in the early days like when you're in the depth of mm. it and you yeah. just it's excruciating and you cannot live with that pain and then all you read is it never gets easier I really struggled with that me too and I I think there's a certain feeling of feeling slightly unsafe because mm. your mum is or it might be a dad for some people or a sibling or a best friend or partner but I know for us our mums were that anchor my mum was my biggest champion yeah she was my cheerleader she was always there for me it's that unconditional love isn't it yeah that person that knows you better than you know yourself and not having that and having that taken away so suddenly can leave you feeling quite unmoored and unsafe and I think there is just you have an acute awareness when you've experienced a sudden loss that life can be really painful and it can come at you at any given moment at any given moment completely unexpectedly for me I remember it would have been literally around the time that my mum probably died so I'd been to the gym and I was driving home and I think I had a call with her like an hour later so it could quite possibly have been around the time that she was having her seizure and there's this road that you drive down from the gym and it, you can see the sea so you come over this hill and you can see the sea and I had the music pump in and it was summer it was beautiful evening I could see the sea and I remember saying to myself life is good and I don't really say that to myself very often I'm not and I remember saying that in my head and then neck minute <laughs> no I actually we've had this conversation yeah. before and I did exactly the same thing mm. we jinxed ourselves seriously <laughs> no but I actually had got because you know I've struggled with a lot of things in my life but I had just gotten to the place where I felt good and I felt secure and happy and I think I even said it out loud as well as like I feel good I can do this and then fucking bam thank you thanks life and I think that's the the feeling that we both feel isn't it that we're now aware and scared to ever say I'm happy ever again <laughs> in case something <laughs> something really bad's going to happen. But yeah, it's that awareness now. It's like kind of you're on edge. You're like anything mm. can happen at any moment. Maybe before there was a naivety of mm. you know, life. Now I feel like I'm coming at it from a little bit of a different perspective, and yeah. I understand the pains. And so another thing for me that I've had to really try and control in terms of thinking about is. I keep thinking, well, now I'm going to, this is it. It's only going to get worse from here. Yeah. Everyone in my life that I love is going to pass away. Who's next? You yeah. Know? You lose the hope for mm. the future. It's like now they're gone. What's, what's the point of all of this? Like mm. what you really start to question your own mortality, the meaning of life. It, you really, it opens you up, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. But I also think, um, yes, there's all these really negative aspects to it, but there are some positives as well, which are weird to say, like it's weird to say that. Mm. But I know like for me, I have learned so much about myself since I lost my mum six months ago, which I've got this self-awareness now, which I never would have had otherwise. Me too. Yeah, it's, it's odd, isn't it? So I think you try and you've got to try and also look at the positives in shitty situations because there are some. It's like when you go through something so traumatic, 
there are gifts within that trauma as well, mm. but you've got to be open to, to seeing them. So, yeah, in terms of, you know, the positives, for me, meeting you was a massive one. Huge one. New friendships. It's been so nice meeting you. Yeah, and, and this project as well and yeah. making new friends. So from a bit of a shit experience has come a beautiful new friendship and a really exciting side project that I know we both feel really energized by and I think as well another thing is I don't sweat the small stuff anymore because massive one we are all just ashes and dust at the end of the day and that's deep it's deep (laughs) but you know I've got my mum's ashes in my living room because I couldn't sprinkle them all because they're really hard to sprinkle and yeah every time I get stressed about something that's really minute I just yeah tell myself it just it doesn't even matter yeah absolutely I've I've definitely found that for me as well like little things just mean absolutely nothing anymore materialistic things mean nothing anymore like it's just it changes your whole perspective and outlook on life and why we're here which I guess is a positive thing it really is one of the big ones for me so as I mentioned before I've got a one-year-old daughter Layla, little chubby thing, but a huge part for me. So before I had Layla, I was never a maternal person and I had prenatal anxiety pretty bad. So I was just like worrying the entire time before I even had the baby. Am I going to be able to handle the baby? Am I going to be a good mom? Am I cut out for this? Just completely like freaking out. So when I had Layla, it was great and I did those maternal instincts sort of kicked in naturally But my mum was my biggest support and she was constantly reassuring me that I could do it and I was cut out for this and I turned to her for, yeah, for the support of being a new Mm mum. And so she was only nine months old when my mum died, which was just like a whole nother layer to my stuff as well. So I needed my mum the most. Mm. I was calling my mum three to five times a day, asking her how to be a mum. I had no idea what I was doing. So for then that my biggest support to be ripped away from me, just like I had to step up. Mm. I had to be that person for me. And then I had this realisation that I'd actually never learnt to self-soothe myself, which was huge. Like I'd always go to my mum and she'd make me feel better and I guess Mm -hmm. that's not a healthy attachment to have but it's finally having that awareness to understand that that's how I was programmed. Mm -hmm. So then I all of a sudden had to start going internally and being that person for myself to like learn to self-soothe and so that's been a really massive lesson but it is a positive one I think it Mm -hmm. is something that I probably should have learned a long time ago but here I am 32 learning to self-soothe but yeah so there are positives in in all shit situations you've got to be open to it and you can learn and you can grow and I think that's the biggest thing like when you go through trauma you can come out the other side and Mm -hmm. be so much stronger and more aware than you were prior to this happening when we were walking around when we were those people going to Coles thinking oh it's a nice day (laughs) (laughs) you know just living our lives like not thinking of these deep and fucked up life shit do you think now that you've experienced a sudden loss you will be really present and really there for people in your life when it happens to them because I I feel that way and absolutely ready for it (laughs) (laughs) no I do I think that having experienced it myself you get so you gain so much more compassion mm. i think for people's situations which is another positive thing tell me about your support network 
because it, it's so important isn't it to have it's a good so support. important yeah and I've been so lucky to have an amazing support network I had people rallying around people coming around the clock mm-hmm. dropping off food and just supporting us in every way possible taking Layla out taking the dog for a walk all the things that I couldn't do because I was just debilitating in the first few months I was afraid to be by myself for a long time as well I was just full of fear and terror and panic that something bad was going to happen even though the bad thing had already happened you just got that feeling of like horror mm, um so dark I, feeling, yeah so I got to the point where I just didn't even want to go to the toilet by myself I didn't want to go to bed by myself I just had to have someone there with me and obviously there was a time when my partner had to go back to work and then so I was so lucky that my best friend Elle, who we're going to get on the show, she's going to come on because she's amazing. She, yeah, would just like camp out at my house and sleep on the couch for as long as I needed. And then because of COVID, she was working from home. So the days that Ben had to go to work, she'd just set up her office in the lounge room just so I could physically have someone there with me and helping out with Layla as well. Um, Because that's another thing. It's like grieving with a baby. That must have been incredibly tough. Like how did you... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. You just do it. And um, I do worry. I'm like, oh, I hope that me feeling all of these really awful emotions doesn't affect her because I think, you know, she's in such a sensitive stage of her life where she's absorbing everything and learning everything. She's re- she's a very happy baby though. She isn't is. She? And that has helped so much. I think as much as it's been an added stress and thing to worry about during this situation she's also been a huge joy in my life Mm. and pulls me out of it sometimes which I've got to actively do so something my counsellor told me to do but like when I'm feeling really awful just pick her up and smell her and connect with her and I had to consciously keep doing that because I was off on another planet my mind was just racing I just I wasn't present so I had to really consciously bring myself back into the room and be Mm -hmm. like right you need to keep going you've got a daughter here that depends on you life has to go on and so she she really became my reason to keep going I think it's an art in itself remaining present when you're going through something it's like that. It's fucking and hard. It really is. And you've got so many things that are whirring around in your mind, so many questions that you keep asking yourself over and over again. There's a million different pieces that you're trying mm. to, you know, puzzle that you're trying to solve. It's, it's hard to stay present, but it's so important at the same time. But it's, there's definitely an art to it, I think. Yeah, it is. You've, you have to consciously make that choice every day to keep going you're like got to pull myself back out of it I've got to keep moving forward and it's really it is minute by minute in those early months after this type of loss you can't look far into the future I know any time that I did that I would just like fall apart like Mm. trying to look at what the future looked like after this had happened it was just so dark Mm. so minute by minute was a really good tip that helped me so just don't don't look don't look past the next minute, just put one foot in front of the other, keep going, just try and drink water, like just the basic, just come back to basics. It's, yeah. And looking after yourself, yeah, it's really key because it's the last thing that you feel like doing. Like you said, you lost your appetite, you know, yeah. you just weren't even thinking about food and just nourishing yourself. And I know for me, I drank a lot of wine to help get me through but it was the opposite for you wasn't it yes it was really strange I like the old wine and the cheeky cigarette (laughs) and I just completely avoided both I think I was so freaked out how I felt I'm Mm. like I need to be in full control because I felt like I didn't have any control 
on the situation, on what had happened and what was happening to me. So I was like, I can't drink because if I drink, I'm just going to, like, I don't even know what that, <laughs> what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I just made that decision to not go down that road. Now I can enjoy a drink, but yeah, it, I just didn't want it to become a vice to sort of get through what I was going through. So I just, re- I just wanted to be in full control. We spoke earlier about feelings of guilt, but were there any other feelings that were really prevalent in those first few weeks and even now? Yeah, rage. Like the anger and the rage that come with with suicide loss is huge. I just felt I was so angry. Like I'd never felt anger like this before and I still, excuse me, I still have my moments, but I, I would go and get in the car so when I'm like feeling the anger building it just consumes you like it was just taking over my whole body and so I'd go and get in the car and drive around the block and blare music and just scream I just screamed as loud as I could like till I was red in the face and I needed to get it out but Mm -hmm. the thing is like you're so angry that you just want to smash everything up and I just knew I don't want to do anything that I am going to regret but I've just got all this rage building you need to get it out so I was doing a bit of boxing as well but yeah get that anger out in a healthy way journaling I found journaling out how I was feeling was good to process it and just get it out on paper so I was just I'd had an anger journal going and so I was just writing out all of my really messed up thoughts and um, getting it out on the paper was helping me to release it so yeah the anger's the anger's real when you talk about feeling anger and rage did you have any feelings of anger towards your mum uh, good question. I definitely had my moments mm-hmm. where I was just so distraught and just thought, how can you do, how could you do this? Like, why did you do this? And I remember in my car screaming moments, like just screaming that out loud, like, mm-hmm. how could you do this to me? But I think the more that I, I researched what suicide is and the more that I understood her circumstances of what had happened, I was just more heartbroken than anything, mm-hmm. I think. So yeah the anger was I mean it's definitely not towards my mum now but I know it is it is a common uh, feeling to have anger towards the loved one when they do take their life because it is so shocking and Mm. you've got all these yeah extra emotions going on but I do think what happens when you lose a loved one to suicide when someone chooses to take their life what it does is it transfers all the pain that that person's feeling onto their loved ones Mm. so once they die it just yeah transfers it straight onto everyone that's left behind and it's a really big load to carry Mm, I can imagine yeah and Im what advice would you give to anyone that might be going through a similar situation take it really easy on Mm. yourself just like I said before minute by minute it's all you can do especially in those first few months they are horrific and talk about it like reach out for help. It's a really lonely experience, a really traumatic one, but know that there is people out there who have gone through it, who can help you. And I know, as I said before, that forum that we will link in our show notes, I found like it was a lifeline for me, to be honest, in the early days. I also found acupuncture really helpful. So I'd get a buildup of tension in my chest and feel like someone was standing on me. I couldn't really breathe. So acupuncture helped release all of that negative energy that was getting blocked. I did kinesiology too, which which helped a lot. 
meditation. So I was doing guided meditation. So when I couldn't sleep, I put on guided meditation to get me out of my thoughts, like yoga nidra or just something like really soothing. And I think just as an, as annoying as it is to hear, because I hated hearing it as, as well in the beginning, time is the only thing that's going to help. And I hated hearing it. I'm like, what do you mean time will heal? Like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, it just doesn't make any sense, but it really does. Just give yourself, just be gentle on yourself and know that you're not going to feel this way forever. It is going to get a bit easier. In those first months, nothing helps a lot. Things only help a little. And so you feel like nothing's working. Why am I getting any, why isn't it getting any better? But yeah, just know that nothing's going to help a lot. Things are only going to help a little. Time is the only thing that's going to heal you. Just be gentle and know that no matter what messed up things you're feeling or thinking, they are all normal mm-hmm. and they're all validated with this type of loss. It is a really, really complex issue. So if you go to seek counselling as well, try and find someone that specialises in traumatic grief. Just look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good advice, Em. And what about for somebody that might be supporting someone who's experiencing sudden loss or any any kind of loss, really? Yeah, the first thing that I would suggest to anybody supporting somebody through this type of loss would be to Google traumatic grief, mm-hmm. Google tra- uh, loss by suicide, and then just read up about the complex emotions that this person might be going through because there mm-hmm. is a lot of information out there on this type of loss and just helping you understand what they might what might be going on in their mind cuz it's really hard to articulate when you're in the thick of it mm-hmm. what you're thinking and feeling and it's really isolating and really lonely i also think letting them be however they're going to be really angry don't take it personally just just be gentle with them let let them feel whatever they're feeling mm-hmm. just be there to support make sure they're drinking water giving them small nourishing meals also i think as well because of the suicide topic, like we discussed, there's still a bit of stigma around it. People can tend to avoid discussing it. So, and I think that can further stigmatize people. And so, discuss what's happened, like be there and openly ask questions. And if they want to talk about it, they will. And if they don't, they'll let you know. But it's good to just know that that support is available. That was really helpful for me, knowing that people were there to listen to all sorts of crazy shit that I needed to say. And yeah, take it easy on yourself as well if you're supporting somebody. It is it is a really traumatic time and a really confusing time. So just make sure you're looking after yourself as well so that you can be a good support to them. And just, yeah, just take it easy. It's a really, really horrible, horrible thing to go through, but know that it will get easier. So, Im, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's not easy to talk about, but... I think I speak for all of the listeners when I say how brave and strong you are. You're incredible and I really appreciate you sharing sharing this with us. Thanks, Sal. You're going to make me cry. I've like <laughs> held it together this whole time. Like, don't make me cry now. <laughs> and I'm sure there are a lot of people that will really benefit from hearing your story. And I hope you know, so. I hope so. Yeah. Your advice. And we've linked our Instagram page and also our email, which is hello at goodmorning.com.au. So if any listeners want to reach out, then please feel free to. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's anyone that you you think might benefit from listening to this podcast, please do share with them. 
And don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you may be listening to us on and leave a comment. We would very much appreciate it. Yes, thank you all for listening and I hope you yeah took something away from this chat and all the pressure's off us now. We've got our stories out of the way. We've got some really exciting guests coming on the show. So yeah, until next time. 